you noticed we have technology, things work here, and this thing's going out online, so it's, it, yeah, it's all, it's all back. The lightning did weird things. David tracked it down, found out all these little spots, and uh, replaced them. So, way to go, David. We appreciate it. It's hard to find those little things if you ever tried to track down an electrical shorts and spots where those things happen. So he got us back online. So we are in this Edify series looking at how the culture of uh, the time that Scripture was being formed, the mindset that was common to the people of those times uh, are, is reflected in the scriptures, but it's also reflecting what God was doing in the world that he's addressing. And we are living in the consequences or results of people uh, dismissing, moving past, ignoring truths that God has revealed. So we live in a time when a lot of things are unfolding, and we may think it's because of... Um, Cause and effect, and they're, they're, obviously that's, that's something that plays a part. Cause and effect in our time, but we stop short of thinking, well, it's in my time. So if I was born in the 40s, it's from the 40s to now. If I was born in the 60s, from the 60s to now. If I was born in 2000, to now. Because that's everything in our lives, because we're so centered on ourselves, fits in that framework. And yet there are thousands of years that are omitted, omitted when we do that, and we have lost some of what God is explaining to us, trying to help us understand the, the cosmology, the huge picture of this uh, that, that is bigger. And so we are looking at that in terms of what we're doing with the series, and we go back to the time when God created a place for his people. And he built this world, he put a garden in this world, and he met with his people there because he wanted that relationship. He also gave them responsibility for the world, to take care of it, to multiply, to fill it with people because he wanted more people, he wanted more relationships, and all of those people were going to play a part in helping the world to operate the way it should Remember, they had, they had dominion, they had authority, they were to take care of the earth. The animals, the fish, the birds, the, the plants that grew, all of the world was going to be in their hands. So that began the process, that was the job given, and yet uh, the serpent comes along, the fall takes place, they are removed from the garden, they still have to multiply, but now when they go out, instead of it being designed for them to be able to grow and move and now it's broken so now it's going to be difficult to grow things it's going to be more thorns are going to grow things that are unsavory and dealing with animals is going to be different it's changed and that's all the way from genesis 3 to genesis 6 and then we have some supreme beings some some supernatural beings, uh, heavenly beings that God is, uh, some of the beings that were here before the earth was made, and they enter in, and they have sexual relations with the women. Now we have these hybrid, uh, half supernatural, half human 
creatures and giants and uh, the Nephilim that are now existing in the, on the earth. That rebellion takes place and God says, that's it. I'm going to destroy it. First world is gone. Flood happens. Second world comes along and he says, okay, now start. Go fill the earth. Now we're back on track with the original game plan. Go fill the earth. Go take care of it. And they said, no, let's build a city. Let's build a tower. Let's reach to God and see if we can't control him. And he said, that's not going to work. So he divides them with the languages. So that takes things in another direction. He divides them according to the heavenly council, the number of the heavenly council. He keeps, uh, later he calls Israel for himself. But the, here's this heavenly council, number of these tribes that go out, or families that go out in these languages. And they have gone around the world and those who were in charge of that rebelled because they thought they needed the worship. They wanted to draw the worship to themselves. And they did. So now we have a number of these sub-gods, small g-gods, who, uh, who have been given authority. God gave them authority over the nations, and they are scattered all around the world. And he is having, he's trying to bring people back to himself. He's still going to operate in that direction. He's going to work through Israel to bring the Messiah. That's still on track. But these nations are out there, and they have, this, they have these other gods that they're worshiping. And worship is the thing that defines people. Worship defines people. It is the thing that we worship that reflects in us our character, the way we think, how we frame the way we see the world around us, the things that are most important, the thing that we highly elevate, the thing that we exalt and, and strive towards, that's going to shape the way we think, the way we feel, the way, the way we interact with other people. It's all going to play a part, and worship is crucial to that process. We have, in, in this history, people around the world worshiping a variety of gods, and sometimes they show up as, as gods with idols. They have names. There, there really is a power behind them. And uh, at, at times they are unnamed. But it will still be there in terms of a drive. A drive for uh, fame, success, greed. All, all those other areas of life are elevated to this well, we have the Olympics going on now. Anybody participating in the, in the Olympics have a goal. They all want gold in whatever event they are participating in. What has shaped their lives over the last four years since the last, well, five now, five years since the last Olympics? Everything about getting to go swim, run, jump, everything in their lives is everything in their diet, Everything they the ex, the exercises they do every day, the discipline that they. So, what is it that's most and most important in their thinking? How does that affect their relationships with other people? Or do they go to all the family reunions? Are they at all their kids' events? No, because they have a goal. They have a discipline. They have something they have to achieve in order to get gold. People on Wall Street pursuing their goals 
of wealth, what is it they give their time to? What is it their minds are set on? Are they reading a whole lot of, of uh, comic books? Well, maybe the people at Marvel and DC are, but the other people are busy with finance and accounting and how can we work with this company and that corporation and how do we change this into, into money? So it becomes worshipful in, in terms of that's, that's their framework, that's their life. But when we put this, we go back thousands of years, we, we're, we, those same, same things are going on, but they also have gods connected to them and related to them. And uh, those haven't gone anywhere because they keep living. They're not gone. They just transform. In other countries, they're still worshiping many of these. We just, in America, have a different way of doing that. But we're going to answer some questions. Questions about culture, questions about things in the news, questions that, that are troubling people, troubling people in uh, how they relate to one another, troubling people in terms of the laws made in this country today. And we're going to find it in the scriptures, ancient words. And we're going to go back to those ancient words and see how those things apply to us. How, how does that work? What, what was it in the mindset then that shows us something about who we are today? So, let's begin. Evidence of wrong worship. Now, we're going to start with Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Believing the lie. Believing the lie. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So, they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped the th and served the things created, that God created, instead of the Creator. That's an interesting choice. Have you heard in recent times a line that says something like, trust the science? You ever heard anything about believing in Jesus, having faith in God, trusting the Lord? You've probably heard those things around church maybe among Christians. But what is it that you hear in the culture, on the news, at the end of a news broadcast, at the way to slap down anyone who has an alternative theory on dealing with anything, especially related to the pandemic? Trust the science. Let me read this again. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself. Did God have anything to do with science, with the material things that exist in this world? And we're supposed to trust the things created, not the creator himself. See any problem? Wow, we're only on the first verse. Our culture is seeing this. The, the ultimate is to raise this level. Science and science is politically motivated these days. It's not pure science. It's, it's designed... To, to manipulate and to guide people in a particular direction. Pure science would be open to investigating all options. That's what science does. It's out in search of knowledge. And it gathers the data and then, you know, you interpret that data and different people can come up with different ideas and then you come together and you, you look at that. What if you cut off everybody who has a different idea? 
I don't know. What if you convinced Facebook, this major mass media uh, tool, and you told it the only thing that is really science, that is really true, must be first cleared by a government agency? Is that science? Or is that manipulation by a, a government or an authority or, yeah. So it's not looking at, like, here's this open door to reality and truth. No, no, we're not really open to reality and truth. We are open to, uh, well, trust the science. Behind that word science is us, the oligarchy who run this thing from behind the scenes. That's who we want you to trust. And we are told from the get-go, they traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. So we're starting off with a problem. From heaven, Romans 1.18. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So God shows his anger from heaven. Okay, we've got this... The scenario where God is still interacting with people, and this is against all sinful, wicked people. This, this is so. This is worldwide. He, this is he's still interacting. He's still concerned. He's still engaged with people, all people from all nations. He's concerned about them, and he is the supreme being. There, are these other. Gods, small g gods who are around, but they are sub-gods. They don't have ultimate power. They may have responsibility or authority over a particular uh, area or a particular people group, and that's, that's the limits of their authority in that place. But he's going, wait a minute. No, nope. sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth. There's No, nope, I'm dealing with them. Shows this anger from heaven. And it's going to show up in an in a amazing way. So remember, this book, the book of Romans, is written in the mid-first century A.D. First century A.D. So Rome has a pantheon of gods. That means they have a bunch of them. They have copied a number of them from the Greeks, who had a pantheon of gods. They have uh, brought in other gods from Egypt and other nations that they have conquered and they bring those gods in so we've got a lot of gods going on and they are worshiping them they also add caesar uh, which isn't unusual because pharaoh was also considered a god so the leaders of the kings the leaders were not god big g but a little g god and they were they were seen as a connection between the gods in heaven, second heaven, not third heaven, big God on the throne, but second heaven gods. And there is a relationship between them. So the leader of the nation has this connection, and so he becomes a godlike individual. So Caesar claiming worship, demanding worship is not unusual. And we have that through the Old Testament. We have it, uh, that's, even in the medieval Europe and the whole thing, they just saw even in 
in Christian nations. Well, this is God appointed me king, and therefore I am the ruler. I am the top dog. I am because I represent God on earth. That got people in trouble. But that that thought has continued through history. But it was it was there in these days. So we're talking Rome. This is a letter written to Rome dealing with their issues in their day. So we've got to roll that back when we're thinking about this, what was happening to them and what he's addressing in that place. And then we see what the application can be for us. But God in heaven is observing, and he uh, is going to show his anger against all sinful, wicked people. And when we define sinful, that's also... A, just as an aside, one of the things that has happened in our world is the removal of the idea of uh, sin or sinful. A violation today is a violation of the powers that be that control the media. And, and whatever their view is on things, they are the ones who say, if you take a step to the left here or the right here, then you have sinned, you have failed, you have missed the mark, you are wicked. So today there are pastors in Canada who are being hauled out of their pulpits and put in jail because they have violated the rules of those who control the system. So that pastor is sinful and wicked. We're talking about what God says is sinful and wicked and his view on what is sinful and wicked is immensely different from what this world says. And what he says really does count. And he's angry about the violations and going these other directions that are all around us. So he's showing his anger. God's truth is obvious, Romans 1, 19 to 20. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. And you'll hear people, I, you know, I just wish I could hear from God. I just wish there was some sign or uh, they go, well, I don't think there's a God because I've never seen anything. There's no indication that he's around us. And science tells us, yeah, there we go again. Science tells us God didn't do a sunset. That's just the refracting of the sunlight, you know. It's out there 93 million miles away, eight minutes to get to earth. When it hits the earth, it bends and we get to see it in this red shift. Isn't that great? Now, God's painting the sky. Come on, he's an artist. And he knows the science. He made it. But for some reason, people think, well, see, if I know the science, and then there's nothing behind that. Because they worship what God has created rather than the creator himself. So they miss it. God's made himself obvious. The truth about God is obvious. Is it only obvious to the people of Israel? Now, it's obvious to every person living on the earth from the beginning. He has made himself obvious. They would not worship God, Romans 1, 21 to 23. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. They knew God, and this is across the board, so this is human beings, every corner of the earth. What of those who haven't heard the gospel in those islands? Every human being in every time zone, primitive, advanced cultures, whatever, 
They have been exposed. God has revealed himself inside and out. They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks because they choose to worship another direction because they don't want God involved in their lives. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And it won't take you long reading some of the things. You just Google and you'll find answers to what God is like and the craziest schemes as people have, with their foolish ideas, try to describe what God is like and what God, what God likes, what God doesn't like, what God means, what God is about, what, you know, it just goes all over the place. But they don't worship him as God, as he has revealed himself, as his truth is presented. They don't do that. So there's a whole culture, not only out there, but also within the church of people who buy this and have twisted the idea of who God is, not as he's revealed himself. And they became, came up with foolish ideas. Look at that. Here's evidence of wrong worship. They come up with foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. So now they can't think straight. Their minds are confused. They're, the darkness has entered in. And we have many of those people still preaching, teaching, writing books, and telling us how this ought to be. But their minds are dark and confused. Uh, that ought to be frightening. As a result of their foolish ideas of what God was like, their minds became dark and confused. What is God like? Let's see, a common one today is God is love. Love is everything. Love is everything. He's affirming. He's just a, a, a long, white-bearded, nice grandpa in the clouds, who pats us on the head and says, you are just beautiful to me. No sin, no wickedness, no error, ever. Just affirmation. That's the definition of love. The definition of real love is you want the very best for people. That's what God wants for us. So he's willing to send his son to die on our behalf to give us that. What are these people doing? You have to affirm everything. If you don't affirm everything, you have now entered the world as an evil and wicked person. That's their thought. So what happens when we define God by only love from a worldly perspective? Our minds are dark. Thoughts are confused. Ought we to listen to those people? People do it all the time. They read their devotionals. They love their books because it's so, it's just so warming and heartfelt and dead wrong. And yet it goes on because of a wrong worship, because they think of foolish ideas of what God was like. There are others who are harsh, judgmental, and they go, well, you got to have the, you keep the line. 
and you defend it with everything. And it doesn't matter. You just rip that person apart. You eviscerate them with your words, with your tone, with your, your gestures. You make sure that they know what the truth is. Because God stands for truth. Wow. That's just like Jesus. The woman at the well. The woman caught in adultery. That's just exactly how he went about it. No. Not at all. Because they came up with a foolish idea about who God is. Then they start to live that out. And God says, stop it. Because that's what he does. And he gives them warning, just like he does for us. And they said, nope. I'm going to go with my foolish idea of what, this is what God is like. Because this is what I'm comfortable with. This is how I think about it. And their minds are dark and confused. That's the result. Evidence of wrong worship. God abandoned them. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. So they take the lie. They run with that. Not interested in hearing the truth, just like when we're talking about science. It, it relates to the same thing. We need to find out what is really going on here. What has God said? Who is He? And what is He really doing? And what does, how does He really care about us? What does He think of us? So again, that's Romans 1, 24 and 25. There's a lost sacredness. Romans 1, 26, 27. Let me read this and we'll talk about this. About it. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. There's more going on in in what God is, is dealing with in human beings. In Rome, the idea of uh, homosexual relationships was not uncommon. That was practiced uh, within, within the culture, acceptable with the Greeks, acceptable with the Romans. It was just part of uh, relationships. Relationships of uh, a variety of kinds that we don't need to go into. But their, the shameful desires existed because they have worshipped wrongly. As a result of that, God has released them. He has abandoned them and said, you want to go your own way. You're not listening to me. I want to offer you what is the very best for your life. And I want to reveal to you the sacredness, the real beauty of relationships, of of who you are as a human being. So the sacredness in all of this flows out of the sacredness of worship, of honoring God as God, as trusting Him as true, and that He really does have a wonderful plan for our lives. So we have a God in heaven who's directing people that direction. He created a world in which that really existed. And he, in that world, He said, here's a man, here's a woman, you two, together, are sacred. Your relationship, and it says in Genesis one or 2, they were naked and not ashamed. Why does it add that little phrase? Because it was sacred. 
because it was pure, because it was good, and because it was right. What has happened with the world we live in? Twisted. Lust. Attacking one another. Abusing one another. Using one another. The sacredness is taken out of it. Why? Because we don't worship God as we ought. We worship the created thing instead of the creator. And we lose the sacred in the midst of that. This set apart, made perfect, made to work within us in, in the whole of our relationships with men and women that is to be completed as we come together and in a way that God has designed from the very beginning, starting with Adam and Eve, and it's part of worship. And now it's twisted. Now it's lost. And in the culture of Rome, that was just the practice because they're worshiping other gods, other gods who are leading them. And, and, and in that worship, this was all magnified. It was to be practiced. It was, that was the godly, godly thing to do. So to be right with them, you participate in those things. If you don't participate in those things, there's something wrong with you. They start killing Christians later because they, they're not worshiping the right gods in the right way. And they're, because they're not doing these things. But here, here you have a situation in which the homosexual activities of these people is so huge. And, it's, and, and he's writing to Romans, remember? He's not just writing, I'm just writing a, I need to write a book about homosexuals. No, he's writing a book to the Romans, who he, the people he's concerned about. And he wants them to know the truth. And God is trying to reach the nations who got lost, Remember? Chapter 11 of Genesis, the nations got divided, and now they're following other gods, and God is, the God is trying to get them back and sent people out into the nations to, to tell them that Jesus has come and hope is available and to bring them back. Whoa. But we got this problem. You guys are caught up in some things. Your mind is confused. You've got darkness in your heart. And he says they, they practice these things, and men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. The practice, the break, breakdown of the sacred, the, the uh, uh, wrong worship has led them on the interior of their being to even break down further. So they've already got darkness running in their heads. They've got confusion. And they think they're thinking straight. Nero thought he was thinking straight. He's He's the top doc, remember that? And he marries some guy. They have a ceremony. They, he has other wives, but he marries a guy too. And then, of course, he blames the Christians for burning Rome, which he did. And so, But he's cool because he's Caesar. And we've got uh, what happening inside that guy's head? What is happening within his heart? What is happening in the hearts and minds of the people who have engaged in things where they've, they've redefined who God is, what God values, they've torn down what is sacred, and they've replaced it with their own thinking. So they've come up with foolish ideas about God. God has abandoned them. Now, has he done that before? Yeah. Eden, remember that? Immediately. Y'all don't want me. 
You can step out of paradise. You go out there. Now, did he not ever talk to them or reach out to them again? Sure he did, because he still wants them to come back. Does he turn them over? You think you got a better way of doing this? Then go do it. And let's see. Because those other gods out there are not on your team. So he turns them loose. What does he do with these people? He abandons them to their own thinking. He lets them go through the penalty that they deserve. They will suffer with that, whatever the internal things are. Uh, during the days when, in the 80s when HIV came up, the people were using that verse to say that that was why they even wound up with the disease. And that, that's probably not it at all. It's, it has more to do with the mind and the heart and what God is doing in the soul. Chaos and evil in the world, Romans 1, 28 to 32. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things they, that should never be done. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God. That's what we run into. That's the world we live in. Those are the people around us, the people in our families and friends and neighborhoods and school and at work, uh, shopping in the markets. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should not ever be done. And yet, in our world, those things are highly rated, five-star. Those are the things that people think are wonderful. And why can't you just get on board and affirm and accept and appreciate those people? Nope. God has abandoned them to, those, to that lifestyle. And it's not to abandon them, to leave them there, but to abandon them so that they recognize it was better with God than without him. He's abandoned them and released them, which is also what we need to do from time to time when we think, oh, isn't it great if I just keep helping this person and we just enable them to keep doing bad so they never get better? It's the same thing. Let them go. Let them learn. Let them discover. And remember the part where, and they never gave God thanks. It's amazing. You leave somebody out there, they get hungry enough. When you give them a hot dog when they come back, they will say thank you. It's amazing how that works. So God is doing that with them, abandoning them, allowing them to, to pursue their foolishness. And he has another plan for them, the good news. It actually starts out this, uh, before this section we just read in Romans 1.16. Where Paul says, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of this. This is Christ, the power of God. He's reaching out to everyone, to all of these nations, to Rome, the empire, all the people groups that are under that banner. All of those people worshiping wrongly. The God of heaven is reaching out through Christ to bring them into a new life that they can experience the fullness of what God intended in the first place. To take the power away from those gods of the nations and bring it back under his realm. That's what he's trying to do. You remember Jesus said in Matthew 28, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Now I want you to go. Make disciples. Where? All the nations. The what? Where, was, where were things divided? Where were the gods? The nations. Where are we supposed to go? To the nations. What is God's intent? To bring them back. To get as many as he can. To reach the nations. Preach this gospel in all the nations. Why? It's where they got lost. They got scattered. And now, there's some good news because Jesus Christ has come and he's offering something new to bring them back around. But it requires real worship. God is involved. He is uh, allowing people because of his anger against people who have decided to worship falsely. He's abandoned them to live their lives and uh, discover it just ain't, ain't going to work. You just go do that. And uh, he sent Jesus, he sent his own people to go out to be a light in this world, to poke holes in the darkness, to make a difference to every people group around the world. That's how we get to be part of it. Are we going to see things like foolishness, people trusting science rather than the creator? Are we going to see people practicing homosexuality instead of the sacredness of True marriage and sexuality, yeah. Should it be a surprise? This was written 2,000 years ago. God didn't just fall off an apple cart. This isn't new. And we're trying to find the cause and effect. Well, it happened in the 60s. It's because of, oh, good Lord. This has been going on since day one. We've been dealing with these issues for centuries. We have a solution. We have the gospel, the good news. We have Jesus Christ. We have the power of God. He is the one who has all authority and power in heaven and earth. Now, it may look like we're uh, losing this battle, but not hardly. Not this day. Not any day. It belongs to him. Reframe. The worship of false gods and allowing the lies results in devastation. Those people are going to hurt. They're either hurting now or they will be. And it could be us. I mean, we may be able to tell some stories. We don't have to right now. Sacredness in life is reduced to hollow shells of the glory God intended. Sacredness in life is reduced to hollow shells of the glory God intended. Those lost in the dark invited to the light. That is the good news of Christ. These ancient words describe our world today. From CNN to Fox News to BBC to wherever you want to look. It's all around us. Because God knows. And he knows the truth we needed. And he has not given up, will not give up. And all those gods will be defeated because Jesus is and will be victorious. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness towards us. Thank you that you have not abandoned us to that darkness. 
Lord, when we do enter into some of these areas and worship wrongly or fill in with our own ideas about things that are false, I pray that you would point those out. I pray that you would uh, clear our minds, Lord, that we might uh, bring anything, any area of our lives into subjection before you. Surrender all to you, Lord, so that our minds might function correctly, that we might think about you as we ought, that we might worship you properly, that we might see the sacredness of life and the amazing things you have done and, and intend to do in and through us. Thank you for your heart for the nations and that you desire to bring your people back from every one of them. And Lord, thank you for our gathering, Lord, this time in the word today. And uh, may your spirit reach out to each and every one of us, Lord, to strengthen us, to guide us, to bring us into closer, more worshipful relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.